It didn't take long to learn the unspoken rules of the big city. Keep your head down and don't talk to strangers on the street. In fact, don't even make eye contact with strangers. You never know who will take that as a threat or challenge. But I wanted to see if it was for a reason or if I was just being paranoid. I started walking down one of the busier streets and decided I'd break the rules. My heart started racing and my breath quickened at the idea. Every fiber of my being was screaming that I shouldn't. But I lifted my chin, straightened my shoulders, and made direct eye contact with someone walking towards me, smiling wide. The person's eyebrows furrowed in confusion. They looked around behind them, and upon seeing nobody else I could be smiling at, they looked away and walked faster as they passed me. A shiver ran down my spine as the person left my field of view, and I could swear I heard the person's footsteps turn around and start to follow behind me. Every little breeze started to feel like a breath on the back of my neck, but of course there would be footsteps. It's a sidewalk. I looked behind me just in case, and when I couldn't see anyone familiar, an involuntary sigh of relief escaped me. Despite my relief, the footsteps continued to follow, and I was all too aware of this. After a moment, I saw a family walking towards me with a young child. So I leaned forward and waved to the kid, smiling as the family approached. One parent moved so they were between the child and myself, walking quicker while glaring at me as if I'd told the child the fact that everyone they know will eventually die. Even after they passed, I could feel that glare, the eyes piercing into the back of my head, adding to the panic that the footsteps still caused me. I whipped around, looking behind me. There was nobody there, and yet I was still being watched. Turning in every direction, I searched for whoever or whatever was watching me. Every time I looked somewhere, people would look away as if eye contact would kill them. Everywhere, all around me were eyes watching me. People, cameras, pigeons, cars, bikes, phones, even the flattened pieces of gum on the sidewalk started watching me. I couldn't take it. Everywhere that the eyes hit me, I could feel my skin skin crawl as if spiders had crawled up my legs inside my clothes, opened me up and were crawling under my skin. I tried to itch it away, desperately scratching myself. Parents covered the eyes of children and people walked wide circles to avoid me. I knew it was these people who were looking at me, staring even. The eyes pierced into me from every direction, and yet I still couldn't see where I was being watched from. It was coming from everywhere and nowhere, all at the same time. Being watched, being judged, being laughed at, being whispered about. I'm not crazy. Just stop staring at me and say hello, please. I screamed out, my whole body shaking. Everyone on the sidewalk stopped and turned to me, staring from all directions. The eyes built up pressure inside my skull and I could suddenly hear my blood pumping through my veins. The concrete hit my knees before I even realized that I had fallen. Even after I fell, those infernal eyes were still watching, the people still staring, but the pressure of tears behind my eyes made me remember. Eyes, of course, eyes. I shut my eyes as hard as I could, weeping into my open palms as the pressure grew, pounding at the inside of my skull, trying to get out, and yet the people kept staring. 
I couldn't see them, but I could feel them getting closer and closer, their eyes stabbing into me like daggers. Please, just leave me alone. Stop staring. Please have some decency and look away. I screamed, sobbing loudly, though my pleas for mercy made them angry, and the pressure increased tenfold. Unable to handle the pain, I pushed my thumbs into my eye sockets with just as much pressure as I sat up. My eyes popped under my thumbs as I slammed my forehead down onto the concrete. And yet, I bet, they stared at my corpse. Welcome back to the Ennis Herald Podcast. My name is Marty Hewitt, and I am one of the new podcast hosts and producers for the Innis Herald for the 2022 school year. Today, I will be speaking to Jackie Borland, an Innis Herald contributor who wrote Watching Eyes, the short story which you just heard. If you just want to talk about, to start, if you want to talk about yourself, introduce yourself to the Innis Podcast listeners. Yeah. Hi, I'm, I'm Jackie. My program is an English major creative writing minor, Spanish minor. I am a second year student living at Innis. So if you live at Innis and you can somehow know what my face looks like by listening to this, feel free to say hi. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm not from Toronto. I come from a very small town called Rossi, New Brunswick, uh, which is like 10,000 people on a good day. And so a big inspiration for this story actually was moving to Toronto and having like a a big city feel. This this experience was very much, well, not exactly, but very similar to my own when I first started walking around campus and just having a lot of people around and also probably social anxiety. I kind of, I kind of agree with you. Like I, uh, I also come from a really small town. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit closer to here than New Brunswick. That's a, a bit of a trip, but I know what you mean. Like, it was weird walking around the city for the first time and just nobody says hello or anything like that. Back at home, everybody knows everybody. It's it's weird here, eh? Back at home, go to the grocery store. You're doing your groceries and you talk to the person checking out your groceries. You do that here and people are going to yell at you like, get out of here. We know we're all busy. Yeah. It's kind of that weird social alienation that happens in the big city. It's very strange. Yeah, I found it very ironic that the place with the most people makes you kind of feel the loneliest. And I'm imagining that, I mean, the story is very well written. I, I read it for the first time last night, and it was very, uh, it's very compelling, I guess. I am imagining that your schooling and your creative writing studies and all these things helped you develop it in that way. Definitely, yeah. Um, I say that I'm in a creative writing minor. I haven't actually taken any classes in that minor yet, just because that I don't know. That's how the year turned out. I think the biggest thing with writing creatively is practice. This is the first time I'm showing people my stuff, so that's a little bit intimidating. But even just writing for yourself, you can kind of realize that, hey, this stuff is good. I like this. I'm going to do more of this. This stuff, not great. Don't like it. Not going to do it. I guess this is probably encouraging for you to have your first creative writing debut 
I'm that so excited. That on the, I'm the esteemed so Inner podcast. How how much have you written before this, just privately then? How much uh, practice have you think you've gotten? Oh, so much. Um, I've started and not finished like three novels. I've done so many short stories. I do a little bit in poetry, but that was one of those where I'm not a big fan of, so I just don't do it. What I do like to do, I like to put little secrets in my writing. At, at one point I called it, which is gonna sound really pretentious and I'm okay with that, a prosaic mimicry of poetic forms. A good example of that is in a recent short story that I did, it was all in prose, but the dialogue was formatted in iambic pentameter. So it, the dialogue was formatted like a Shakespearean sonnet. And so just That's little things like that where I, I just like to have fun. I like to put in little little secrets. Do you have any other comments on the story or the writing process that you found interesting? During the editing process of this, I, I don't want this to be to seem like a call-out post to the person who was editing. You did a great job. But there were some comments on the setting. You know, you're on a street, but shouldn't you give more information about like what that street looks like? Because in the story, it very much just is a busy street. I, both the narrator, the characters around them, and the actual setting have very little information in them. So that this can be a story that happens anywhere to anyone. You know, to me, and the inspiration to this, this, this takes place on Bloor Street, but there are plenty of people, like there are people who are gonna see this who might not have been to Toronto. And so they don't have that experience of walking on Bloor Street. But you know, this could be Fifth Avenue, this could be Broadway, this could be uh, Hollywood Boulevard, you know, whatever. The less information you give, the more information the reader has to create for themselves. And that was very much intentional because I wanted this to be a kind of thing where everyone can relate a little bit. Like you and I can relate just because we're from small towns and there's an aspect of going to a big town is scary. I feel like even people, even people who were born in big towns and grew up in big towns can still kind of understand that like, oh yeah, I don't do that. I don't look people in the eyes. I don't say hello. And it would be weird if I did. Yeah, I see what you mean. And I agree. I think that, I guess it's more immersive is how it feels, especially towards the end where you really start to ramp up the spookiness. It feels really, you are really there, you know? And that's an important part of it. And it really, like, the conflict is within this person's own self and these eyes that they are perceiving or maybe they're real i don't know you get to choose you're the reader mm -hmm. um but where it is doesn't matter who it is doesn't matter who the people around them are doesn't matter it's very much that conflict of the narrator and the eyes so the narrator could be anyone. It doesn't matter who they are. It matters that they're going crazy. <laughs> I think I, I mentioned earlier about like 
social anxiety and anxieties and stuff like that. It's very much influenced by my own experiences with anxiety and social anxiety of, I don't know, it almost feels narcissistic to think, oh my God, people are watching me on the street. But then, I don't know, it's very much that feeling of being watched, but then, okay, let's take that a step further and a step further. It's just right. a dramatization of that that fear that kind of turns into paranoia of you're being watched. Just to wrap it up, on the topic of Halloween, do you have any Halloween costumes or any Halloween plans that you think you might do? I have three Halloween costumes that I'm doing over the weekend. You're busy. I'm a big fan of D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. I was dressed up as a detective for that. Tomorrow, I'm dressing up as a vampire for another session of D&D. And on Halloween proper, I am going dressed as Miss Wednesday Adams. These are all, these sound like a lot of really good high quality costumes. Halloween is my favorite holiday. I go all out. The Wednesday one especially, is, it sounds like a, a real banger. That's probably why you're saving it for the, the big day at Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Save it for Halloween proper. And finally... Maybe uh, just a little bit of an extra add-on. Again, in the spirit of the spooky season, do you have any ghost stories or supernatural encounters that you would like to speak about? Oh, boy. Um, I've been to a lot of haunted places. I have not personally had a like big event that has happened to me, but my grandparents lived in Montreal at 1026 Melrose Avenue. And so 1020, the number 1026 has become a little bit of like a, a not, not a joke in our family, but every time that it shows up, it's kind of pointed out like, oh, you know, granny's thinking of us. And it is genuinely amazing how many times something good has happened and you'll look over and see that the time is 1026. I think I saw the email either about the podcast or about getting into the Herald at 1026. Oh, well, there you go. And so not, not, not spooky ghost stories, but every now and then I'm reminded that my grandmother's kind of watching over me. That's good. It's a, that's a very wholesome, happy ghost story. It's like a Casper story. I know. It turns out I do have a happy story in me somewhere. <laughs> there you go. Well, anyways, it's been great uh, having you on. Thank you for contributing. It's uh, really great to have such a episode and to have such a contribution on the show. I don't know if you want to plug or anything like that or if you would like us to list your information. I don't know. I have a Twitter at Jackie W. Borland. If you want to follow me, I, I make bad tweets not often okay well it's great um i appreciate it and i hope you have a happy halloween happy halloween